Welcome to the Jiggle and Juice Show, a podcast where we discuss all things art-related. Jiggle and Juice is a collective formed by myself, Shay Miles, and my best friend Georgia Took. We're both artists who met at Grace School of Art while Georgia carried out her exchange semester in 2019. I'm based in Glasgow, and Georgia is making art over in Canada. Jiggle and Juice is a platform created to engaging in discursive and critical conversation and showcasing creativity. We aim to foster a support system for creatives by producing materials that help bridge the gap from art school to professional practice. You're listening to The Jiggle and Juice Show, episode three. We are so excited to be welcoming our first guests, the Dirty Dishes Collective. The DDC is a brand new collaborative curatorial project co-founded by Cassia Powell and Danny Nira. It predominantly operates out of the Crummy Gallery, a mobile art space based in Victoria, BC. The DDC cherishes dirty dishes as the physical remnants of gathering and sharing meals. With an emphasis on supporting emerging artists, they embrace food as a form of care and connection which actively resists institutional art dynamics and works towards alternative, relational ways of being together. In this episode, we hear the aims and origin story of the DDC, as well as how their first exhibition in the Crummy went. We also discussed the DDC's approach to curation, their opinion on the role of institutional galleries and how they sit alongside them. We really hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, so welcome to the Jiggle and Juice show, um, Dirty Dishes Collective. We're so excited to have you on. Um, Many of you, if you've been following Jiggle and Juice, you will have um, heard the name Cassia Powell before. (laughs) <laughs> we have had Cassia Powell on an episode of In Conversation With. They've been featured on our artist spotlight and have been a huge help with our support documents as well. Um, well we're also joined by um, Danny Nira, who is the second half of um, the Dirty Dishes Collective. And we have been like so excited. As soon as you two announced Dirty Dishes, Shay and I immediately were like, waiting for this collab to happen so we're so excited um so if you two don't mind if you want to tell us a little bit about um the dirty dishes collective and maybe like how you two started the collective that would be amazing yeah yeah um yeah we're really excited to be here (laughs) um yeah so the dirty dishes collective is a collaborative curatorial project um that's currently operating predominantly out of the crummy gallery which is a like a mobile gallery, which is located on Lekwungen land or Victoria, BC. Um, I think, you know, our idea for the collective just kind of stemmed from like many, many conversations <laughs> about like a lack in Victoria's art scene for emerging artists and cultural practitioners in general. Mm-hmm. And I would say when Cedric Bomford, who is the UVic Visual Arts Chair, just we, <laughs> we were having a conversation and he just kind of offhandedly mentioned that he had built a mobile gallery um, like two years ago or something like that. Yeah, as like a before the pandemic. Yeah. And it was just like sitting in storage for two years because they couldn't do any programming out of it. And he basically went up to Danny and was like, do you want to like, play around in this thing like do you have any ideas for what we could do with mm-hmm. this and getting this like let me call Cassia really yeah, quick like, automatically I was like Cassia <laughs> um yeah but like we definitely noticed that like 
uh, Victoria is, is kind of like a transitional space for a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. Like people come here, they go to school, they kind of figure themselves out. And then there's, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of like grounded, which is ironic because it's a mobile gallery, but there's not a lot of like grounded, um, like art spaces for opportunities for kind of like developing or experimental artists. So we were like, why don't we do that? We can do that. <laughs> yeah. I think it was having access to the space because obviously you know Victoria is very expensive it's been getting more expensive and so we were also just really lucky to have this like support from Cedric and also Mm -hmm. access to the space yeah that is incredible I think that the like the most inspiring thing ever is when you spot a problem or like a hole in like an industry or um something that you like personally are missing and you actually like go and solve it like that is like actually so inspiring and I think that's so amazing that that actually like happened for you guys that's incredible that you kind of had that connection and then like um do you say his name is Cedric yeah Cedric Bob. yeah right so so that he like you know trusted in you that like you would do an amazing job which of it like you you launched how long ago like not even that long ago and you've already done like so many amazing things yeah yeah and also like Danny I don't want to downplay Danny's work in this because they did a lot of curatorial like you were working with um uh Carrie Newman right like you were doing like a uh res- not a residency what are they called like a directed study. a directed study and so like you were kind of like I want to do this this is something that I think is important and the faculty was like yeah like yeah keep doing it mm-hmm. yeah I think like Something that, because I'm still finishing my art history degree at UVic, um, and the biggest thing I've learned is you just have to ask for things very directly. <laughs> like, I'm like, I want this. And people are like, sure. <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to ask. <laughs> um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, your background, Danny? Because I know that you're, you've been doing work at Open Space, which I think has probably been like quite influential in the conversations you were having with Cassia about art spaces. Um, do you want to tell us like a little bit about that? Yeah, so I've been working at Open Space, uh, which is an artist-run center, um, for the past two years in several like contract positions. Like I started there as like an intern, then I was like the curatorial assistant, and then now um, I've been working as the project curator there. Um, And it's been, I would say open space has been very like instrumental in my growth and like like my practice as a curator, like it's really shaped and like given me the space to really think through my work and practice there. They've been, especially with this last project that I did with them, um, which is on right now, uh, which is Queer Futurities. And they just gave me like, (laughs) like they were just like go for it like take your idea and run with it and they gave me almost like full freedom to just you know explore um so yeah that's kind of what (laughs) I've been doing there the past while that's amazing Georgia you went to the show didn't you I did I did I'm actually working on my notes on for the show so those will be up very soon (laughs) Um, but, but um I I'm so I'm so interested in this idea of um, like a curatorial practice. Like I feel like like 
or at least like when Cassie and I were in school, like curation was not ever something like there was never a course for it or there was never like it was kind of just like this elusive thing that we finally got to talk about when we were curating our grad show, which then <laughs> got canceled. Yeah. So we didn't even get to see that through. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like it's always been like this elusive thing or like, yeah, something that like as an as an artist who's just like making work for like potentially like a group show or a solo show it's not something that we're like really actively thinking about as a practice so I'm like I'm so interested in in you saying like a curatorial practice something that you can like actively like work on I don't know I've just I've never heard it put that way I'm like so inspired by that Mm -hmm. yeah I think there is a lot of people that have been rethinking curation and yeah curatorial practice and I'm really interested in like the potentials of how like artistic and curatorial practice kind of collide. Um, And so I think that's a lot of what we're doing with like dirty dishes is like, we're looking at like alternative forms of curation and like, you know, how community programming and also like collaboration relationship building, like with artists, long-term projects, like all these things kind of all intersect under this umbrella of what we're doing. Yeah, it's also really interesting because I, yeah, like Georgia was saying, we studied visual art. I coming, I'm coming from a visual arts background and stepping into this world of curation. And there's a lot of, like, just in terms of, like, how the practice develops, like, we would do our research. We would, um, you know, take a couple months to, like, bring something into fruition. And it's the exact same thing with, like, a mm-hmm. curatorial project. Like, you know, Danny and I have like an idea for a theme that we want to work with or um, like artists that we really are inspired by. And we're like, okay, so how do we make this happen? Like, how can we make it something that a community can engage with? So it's like, it's very similar in that like creative, um, like world building, basically. Absolutely. And like, I think, yeah, like, the Queer Futurities Project, I have been thinking through this project (laughs) for a very long time um and like I think I started thinking about it last summer and so much research goes into it like in terms of concept development like I really like to root my work in theory I love theory and but then also you know bringing in conversations I had with like artists and friends and mentors and then how that all kind of builds into this larger project over a span of time Mm -hmm. yeah very similar so do you think that um having like a curatorial practice and uh um like a general like fine art practice do you think they're quite interchangeable then Cassia because just what you were just what you were saying about how like the kind of not not that there's like a formula but the kind of like yeah um step the steps that you take in order to like have a resolved like outcome like would you say that they're pretty interchangeable like in terms of their structure um I wouldn't say interchangeable because like it's similar but they're not the same because when you have like a like a functioning artistic practice you're creating a physical like I find like visual like being an artist is inherently selfish. Like, I think we know this. Like, I make work for me and it's all about me. I'm the main character. Like, this is four oats for me. Um, and so, like, I'm doing research into things that I'm really interested in and I'm building things that I really want to build. Um, and then um, it gets turned into, and this is where the curatorial part comes in, it gets turned into something that's more of an experience. 
So by like plucking out art that is from like all these individual artists, you put it together and you make a story out of it. Um, that's just mm-hmm. kind of like my, that's been my approach. Yeah. And then also I think, yeah, that's interesting that you're saying that like, yeah, being an artist, you're like, it's all about me. Well, and I yeah. think <laughs> with like curation, there's been so much conversation around decentering the curator. And, you know, I think, for example, collaboration is like an example of that decentering because, you know, curators, especially in like larger museums and institutions have kind of been like the voice of like, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is taste, this is art, this yeah. is my opinion. And it's kind of this like authority of the museum, which is often like a disembodied authority, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, like having... It's like the curator comes in and just like, I know you were taking like more of a decentered approach with queer futurities, but like you come in and you just like harness this like, um, it's like a, not necessarily a feeling, but you're like creating an experience for a lot of people. Yeah. And like, I like, yeah, I like to think about curating as like creating conversations and like dialogues that maybe we're not necessarily there when it was only the one work, but in relation to the other works around it, you start creating a new dialogue. So interesting because I, I actually really love, I love the idea of like curation. I think that I would really enjoy doing it, but like I wouldn't even know where to start because I feel like it is so structured in, in a way that's sort of like, well, the, what comes to mind for me when you're talking about that is, um, the white pube wrote um, these kind of like um, things they would like to change, like ideas for the future of the art world sort of thing. And one of them was curators should ask like gallery goers and viewers what they want to see. So it was almost like, um, like, like you were saying that it's, it's sort of like the curator just kind of waltzes in and like does whatever they like in, in the same way that an artist is like selfish, the curator curator can sometimes also be selfish, but it's sort of like, obviously your approach is so different and almost like going along the same lines as what the white people are suggesting in that, like, you know, people should like the viewers who are going and the gallery, the artists who are, are included in the shows um, like also having like a say and a voice is like also another thing that adds like a whole new dimension to like viewing work yeah like I feel like because like making art is like like what you're saying like it can be selfish in the sense that like art could really just be like for yourself like it could never leave your studio walls it could just be truly for yourself but like curation I feel like cannot happen unless it's for an audience unless it's for the public for people to come see like you can't I mean I'm mm-hmm. sure you could I guess curate something in your own room and never show anyone and <laughs> yeah what would, what the point of that be so I feel like curation like it, it has to be for people and so to like take these works that were I don't know maybe like well, well I feel like a lot of work is created for other people to see but like to yeah bring that into the public and like understand how that the public is going to like perceive that and how you can like control that um that perception like to an extent obviously you don't want to control the entire thing because then where's the fun in that where's the whimsy and magic of like interpretation but um yeah I also really liked how um you had a like a curatorial essay I feel like that's not at least in like my experience like not super common I don't think that I've really seen that or maybe it just like maybe it was like pre-art 
school days when I didn't really care about like doing my extra homework but I thought that was like a really interesting way to like really like like further the importance of curation where you're not just like walking in and you're like oh I'm just here to see the art like there's more to it than that there's like a whole nother level of like how all of that art comes together and how the like all of the research and the theory like gets embedded into that like through written word I feel like people can get a little um like a little bit scared when they see like a bunch of words written on a wall and they feel like oh do I like do I need this like should I need it um like am I gonna sit here and like read this is it gonna like spoon feed me too much but like how much have you like was that challenging for you to like like how much written word do you want to give versus not like yeah I think I was thinking about my own experiences of like going to galleries and I hate text on the walls I like can't deal with it because I find it really (laughs) I find it really detracts from the work because I feel the social pressure to stand at the wall and read the text and then my like ADD is going off and I'm actually not even reading it and it just kind of changes my experience of the work entirely what I really like about physical like text that you can take home is that it gives you the option to like not look at the text at all, experience like the works for what they are, and then read the text and then like come back to the works. Or some people like to, you know, read while they look at certain works. It's like really up to the viewer. And I like it's a little more personal. Mm-hmm. It's a little more intimate. <clears throat> so what what format did your curatorial essay like take? Was it um was it like a like a handout and like how, how long was it? Mm-hmm. It is a handout. Um, yeah, I ended up, um, combining, um, there's like a brochure, which has, uh, kind of like a little map of, you know, which works are by who and like artist bios. Um, and I ended up incorporating the (laughs) essay into that brochure, um, takeaway. Um, the essay I think is about like 2,500 words long. So it's, it's like long ish. Um, but I had a lot to say. And you also had a lot of artists. <laughs> I had a lot show. of artists. I had a lot to say. And I tried to like, I was working from a lot of theory, but I also wanted to have a more like personal approach to the essay. So I was like speaking about, you know, my own experience and like how I've been thinking through these things and like how that's influenced, you know, how I curated the show and like all of the works. Um, and I have seen, I think like, artist-run centers do curatorial essays more often Mm -hmm. and like smaller kind of like institutions yeah because I'm like I can't really remember seeing curatorial essays at larger we went to the Massey Gallery in Vancouver Mm -hmm. and they had a a very small like they had a little handout as well and they had a curatorial essay Mm -hmm. and I think that was one of the first times I've seen a curatorial essay. yeah I think like also it depends yeah obviously on the curator and like Mm -hmm. I like really emphasize like critical discourse and that's why I chose to include it Mm -hmm. so what so the diff what is the difference between that that and the exhibition text or is or are they or did you say that they were combined yeah so um I kind of included like a really short kind of like I think it was maybe like 150 200 words kind of project description so if people don't want to read the full essay that's fine Mm -hmm. like you can just read the little like what is this about and then look through the works but 
if people like want to go deeper and be like, okay, like what are the themes that are being explored, et cetera, then they have the option to like look through the curatorial essay, which is kind of like a more extended, in-depth exhibition yeah, and analysis. Mm -hmm. I think that is so, um, like, I think that should be implemented like everywhere because I feel the same way as you. Like, I honestly have a such a love-hate relationship with going to galleries, especially like at the moment, like just because I do feel so sort of that there is like a really strict ritual that I just don't want to engage with. And like, I sometimes just want to look at the work, but then kind of feel like I do have to like stand and pretend to read. And like, (laughs) I just, I really, I really love, but at the same time, I do when I get home, I do love reading about it after I've like thought about it and like digested it properly. So I think that is really, I really, I really love that, that structure and the kind of openness that there's no expectation from, from the viewer whatsoever apart from just to enjoy the work Mm -hmm. yeah it's like going to a gallery is a lot more or going and seeing an exhibition is a lot more than just going in and looking at the art on the wall like it's an event like you're going you're dressing up it's a ritual you go you go with your friends you talk about it and part of like what we like to do at the DDC is like really um kind of like pick apart that structure and like that's why we're we're working out of a mobile gallery. We love the idea of doing like an experimental approach, right? Um, like we have, um, we can say this, we can talk about like what's up next later, but we have this exciting project coming up um, that's like a week-long residency with an artist. And it's going to be um, like, we're going to park the gallery, hopefully in like a couple different locations, but um, we're going to do like open studios and workshops and maybe an artist talk like we want to have like a, a little zine library set up like we want to keep it like an experience so that people come and actually can kind of absorb more than just going and being like I'm looking at art now yeah I think because so the gallery is like really really tiny right so I like I feel like we've been talking about how like the interior space of the crummy kind of you know I'm only thinking of like the word like bleeds out into the (laughs) that sounds wrong um like it I don't know it's automatically yeah it's interacting with um outdoor space and like I think because it can move I think we were talking about parking it um like by a park or by the water Mm -hmm. and so people could literally just come and like hang out like it's not like a walk through the gallery and leave but people could just linger linger sit you know, read, you know, mm-hmm. read a zine, talk to us and have like a much more informal and intimate approach to mm-hmm. exhibition making. I want to come. That sounds really <laughs> um, what do you think? So obviously this is like you're trying to create an experience that is completely different to like going to like a typical gallery. So like, why is it that you want why do you feel the need to do that? Like, what is it about institutional spaces, white cube spaces that you feel we're like so done with this is a hard (laughs) question we had a really hard time with this because it's like like an institutional space I'm learning covers a lot of ground like this goes from like the artists run centers that maybe used to or still kind of champion um experimental art and then it also is like you know Vancouver Art Gallery which is like one of the biggest uh, our galleries in BC right like it's there's a lot yeah in this institutional space um and 
unfortunately, there's so much that you can still take from institutional spaces. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, I have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, a white cube space or like the institution can't necessarily be generalized into one entity. Like I think, yeah, like as Cassie was saying, there's just like so many different types of institutions, which almost have different roles to play. So like artist run centers, which is like where I work um, at open space, that it was almost like a, like a movement, like a bunch of artist run centers started popping up in Canada, like in the 1970s. And it was like in direct response to like artists wanting like an alternative space to like the established commercial gallery and like museum system. So like, for example, at Open Space, it's a nonprofit. So we don't sell art. We're not a commercial gallery. And we also don't have a collection. So our entire like programming is centered around, you know, supporting artists and um, supporting experimental art practices that might not necessarily, you know, have done well in the commercial art sphere or different, you know, things. Context. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then as Cassie was also saying, mm-hmm. I think that the institution does still offer us, you know, money, money, <laughs> money. And I think, okay, so I'm thinking of uh, Cyrus Marcus Ware, who is an activist and scholar and artist and incredible. Um, and they always talk about something called um, institutional resource extraction, which is like, when you work within institutions, you can be really sneaky and you can create these like little changes and divert money and funding into little like streams or people that it wouldn't necessarily go. And so you can kind of do this in different ways by, for example, you know, galleries will have materials budgets or different things like that. Um, So, you know, maybe I just forgot to ask for the receipts Mm -hmm. and then like letting artists do with that money what they will. And, you know, just kind of, I think like the feminist art gallery. Yeah, I think that's what they're called. Feminist art gallery um, will make demands when they work with institutions. So they'll be like, yeah, like we'll work with you. We'll let you display this artist's work, but you have to buy like one of their works for a lot of money. And so they kind of, you know, play with the institution in order to extract funds from them, <laughs> like, which I think is really fun. <laughs> like the way that we function now in like in 2022, as much as we would love to not have to rely on like capitalism in order to profit. Do you know what I mean? It's like, unfortunately it still exists and we want our artists to be paid and we want to be compensated for the work that we're doing Mm -hmm. there's like in a perfect like utopian society this has never existed and like art can just be cherished and um interacted with but that's like you can't you can't do that so Mm -hmm. we have to like kind of work within these spaces but kind of enact change from within Mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah and kind of like open these like fissures into like the experimental and the DIY and like things that are not necessarily expected out of the institution mm-hmm. so I think yeah I like working kind of like in an in-between space between those two yeah it's a very it's a very like tight line to walk if that makes sense mm-hmm. 
Do you feel like that's where the DDC sits is like in that, like that fissure that you're creating? Yeah, I would say like we're definitely like leaning more on like the experimental DIY side because, you know, like as of right now, we do not have funding. (laughs) And I think these spaces that don't rely on um, funding streams are also necessary because, you know, something that has come up with artist run centers, like, and I've seen like headlines on like, you know, like articles being like, artist run centers, like, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, they're no longer you know experimental. One <laughs> and I think it's like, you know, there's been conversations around how artist run centers are reliant on these bureaucratic funding streams. And that directly influences the type of work that is being shown because institutions, you know, or places that are, you know, getting funding from the government are like hitting these like points in order to receive funding. And so there's a bit less flexibility to the approach. And like, also we were talking about how most galleries plan their programming, like two years in advance, three, four, five years in advance. And then that creates like, you know, a lack of responsiveness to what's happening right now. Like what's happening in our communities right now? What do people actually want and like to see right now? And so I think, Mm -hmm. you know, what we're doing with the DDC, we have a lot of flexibility to just respond. Yeah. Like it's a little bit more current, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Oh, a hundred percent. Like that. I think that what you're like, what you're doing is kind of like setting, set an an example of the fact that it can be done like this. Like you can do it like this. And I think that just like opening up that, like, I just love the the way that you described it as an experience because that is literally what it should be. It shouldn't, I think it should be so like accessible and exciting and like people want to talk to you and people want to like, not just people that haven't from an art background, like just like you say, people sitting in a park being like, oh my God, that is sick. What is that? Let's go over and see. Like, I think that is just like so, so exciting. And like, that's exactly what I I think that like, the art world needs right now is like more of that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's 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 definitely challenging because like we want to provide like I remember you guys just made a post recently um promoting your your patreon that you started and I think your caption said something like we love supporting artists and we always want to have these resources available but we like we want to make sure that we're being supported too and I think that's kind of where we're kind of dancing around this line where it's like we want all of these to be available and we want it to be sustainable yeah it's about kind of like finding um finding a balance that is like so difficult to strike but like I think that just keep like both what you're doing is like actually like incredible and I'm so like it's just got me so inspired yeah thanks yeah it's definitely been a, a wild ride considering it started like what three months ago yeah we already have like multiple projects on the go because we keep getting really excited we just get so (laughs) excited about things it's hard (laughs) literally literally like us I know we always are like snowballing ideas that's why we had like at one point we had I think like six different projects on the go because like ongoing projects because we just like get so excited that's why like hearing you two like come together just like made Shay and I like so excited that you like are gonna experience the same like 
excitement that we do on like projects. Um, but speaking of projects, I really want to ask you about like you have only been around, like you said, for like three or four months and you've already had your first exhibition. So mm-hmm. congratulations. So exciting. Um, how how was that? Like, how did it go? What did you learn? Um, did you, I can't remember, did you have to drive the crummy gallery or no? Yeah. <laughs> um, what did I learn? How to drive a diesel uh, truck, actually. <laughs> big, big truck. Big, big <laughs> truck. Um, it was like, it was definitely an experience for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think as it was our first exhibition, we were really just like, really testing the waters like we reached out to artists that we were comfortable with um I was working with um the uh exhibition or not exhibition coordinator the um Tara uh market coordinator market coordinator so I have a friend who coordinates public markets and I was like I know you you know me like we can figure this out it's kind of like a safe environment for us to to yeah figure everything out like how do we make an Instagram post how do we make a new page on our website how do we reach out to artists like you know what do we need from them how do we like decide all these things um so it was like a really good first step and it also opened the doors for us to do some more opportunities like we wanted to apply for other projects further down the line and they all were like we need at least one example of something you've worked on so we were like Ah, there you go (laughs) yeah I think it's like very much about like yeah almost like getting the ball rolling and Mm -hmm. just you know doing (laughs) because we do a lot of talking we talk so much (laughs) and like doing something physically it (laughs) sorry I really do I just talk so much um and like actually having it come into like a physical entity was just like it was like, it was so fascinating. Like, it was like, whoa, like, look at this. It's real. Yeah, and I think um, we did it as a, a one-day pop-up um, in, like, a public market um, by this, like, park with water. So it was actually really beautiful. And it was really fun to see how people reacted to just, like, coming across this, like, mobile gallery, like, in the middle of a park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really exciting to see people, like, come across it and then kind of, like, venture in Mm -hmm. so it was yeah I think you know it really solidified the public interest yeah yeah like I think it's something we realized that this is something that's going to be really like wanted (laughs) yeah like not not even just a public interest like a public need like a a public desire a public desire like that's so like that's so cool that that's out there and people actually want it like why is there no fucking funding for this like (laughs) It's, it was actually so funny because before we were trying to, like, we were trying to figure out where we could park this, this crummy. It's technically like a car. Like it's, it functions as like a regular personal vehicle. Um, and I was like, do I need to get like a food truck permit if I want to park it on the street? Like, what are we? We're not yeah. a food truck. There's weird like permit things that we came across, which was a very good learning experience because it turns out it's actually kind of complicated. It's so complicated. I was actually I was actually gonna ask you that because I've tried like doing like random pop-up things before and honestly like I had to get in touch with the council I had to do like public liability and like risk assessments and stuff and that was like I, w- I was like I just want to show some art like come on. 
I ended up on like a really long phone call with like the city of Victoria being like, I have this, I have a public art space and I really want it. And they're like, whoa, okay, what? A truck? What's it? The crummy? Like what? We just want to, we have an exhibition. It's called Homegrown. You should come see it. And like, they're just like, we're just going to transfer you to like the arts and culture section. And then like, I would get transferred to the arts and culture section. They'd be like, no, you definitely need to be working with like the parking people. And I was like, yeah. oh my God. You end up in this like bureaucratic like loophole. Loop <laughs> yeah. If you had one tip that you could give to anyone that was listening that was interested in venturing into curation or venturing into something along the lines of what you guys are doing, what if you could give them one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, you're not alone there are people who want to help something I found out working with Danny and working at like open space and working with the crummy is that there are so many people who are around Mm -hmm. and there's people who know how to use a drill and there are people who know how to drive a (laughs) diesel truck and there are people who are there like you're not by yourself (laughs) yeah I think like if you have an idea vocalize it like tell as many people as you can and then it like opens so many different opportunities and yeah Mm -hmm. talk to your friends talk talk that's our advice talk (laughs) we love talking amazing well we we do we do here as well so that's we can get on board with that advice um georgia was there anything else that you wanted to ask Um, I guess before we wrap up, I would love to ask you a little bit more on like what's next and like what, what should we be looking out for? Talk about ripples. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So the project we have coming up next is called Ripples and it is a collaborative research residency uh, between us and an artist uh, named Kit Peacock. Um, we actually just received um, like project funding for this one. Our first um, grant. Our first little grant. Oh my god! Congratulations. Uh, and it's from uh, Unit Pit, which is an artist-run center in Vancouver, and they're hosting a Wrong Wave Festival, which is this really cool, um, like experimental mm-hmm. arts festival that's happening all over BC and also a little bit into Seattle. So um, we're a part of a lineup of a bunch of other uh, arts happenings. Like Mm -hmm. um, there's some other exhibitions, there's some workshops and performances and it's happening all over, all over BC and in in Seattle too. Yeah. And so basically what we're doing is we're going to be parking the crummy somewhere, Somewhere. (laughs) maybe even multiple locations. um, And it's going to function as like an open studio slash community workshop zone. So us and like Kit, we're going to be um, exploring the concept of like the sea edge and like roving relationships as a way of like queering and decolonizing our relationships to land. And so, you know, looking at movement and trace. And so we're going to be working on like a collaborative zine. Mm -hmm. And we're basically just going to invite people to like come hang out with us, come talk to us. We're going to be like working on things. We want to build like a little zine library, like what we were talking about. So people can just hang out and like read, like we could like mm-hmm. set up a little reading nook outside. Cause this is going to be in July. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be hot out. 
and I'm very excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, we're also opening up a, a call for zines to put into the DDC archive. Um, we're going to be posting that later today. I don't know when this is going to get uploaded, um, but we are doing our call until June 22nd, and we're just gonna we're gonna buy a bunch of zines from artists who are also working with these themes, and we're gonna have them available and ready to read. If you want some some networking opportunities, some like really cute discussion opportunities, like submit and we'll take it. Mm-hmm, yeah, and then. I think having that little library, like we also want to have um, different like community programming kind of events. So like talks and workshops yeah. and like making things. And so we want to like incorporate the library into that, just like being together and reading and talking and reading and talking, reading and talking. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, for this like first call, it's good. You know, we're definitely looking for zines that are like engaging with the same themes um, mm-hmm. that we're exploring in Ripple's. Um, but we do want to build like a larger library archive. So we're going to be putting out calls like every like couple months. months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us, okay, how do, how do people submit? Like what is your, what are your Instagram email? Tell us website, give us all of, all of your info. Instagram, Dirty Dishes Collective. Website, dirtydishescollective.weebly.com. We're saving up for a proper domain. Don't worry. Um, and then our submission form for the zine call is on our website, um, under the submissions tab. And we also have it available through the link in our bio on Instagram. Amazing. That is so exciting. Honestly. Oh, do you, do you need a third and fourth member? Because. Have you seen Jane J our, um, like sister organization, the ultimate collaboration, ultimate collaboration. (laughs) I just need to move to Canada and then we're set. That's what I'm trying to get you to do. I know. <laughs> move to Canada. I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so excited that for you guys, this sounds absolutely incredible. And like, I just can't wait to see it all unfold. And like the fact you actually like, you say like your idea, your advice is just to do it, but, and you actually are just fucking doing it. And that's like the most incredible thing. And it's such a testament to your, to yourselves as, as working artists and working practitioners. So just, so I feel so inspired. I totally, I totally like second everything Shay says. Um, and I thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for joining us today and coming on our little podcast. Um, and we're like, we're so, so grateful for you. And we're so excited to see all of the wonderful things that you do. And we encourage everybody who is listening to go and follow, submit, um, come and hang out in your art spaces and um, come and support support the DDC. Please Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Jiggle and Juice Show, episode three. We really hope you enjoyed our discussion with Cassie and Danny. Their work is so inspiring to us, and we can't wait to see their projects unfold. You can find their Insta, website, and email in the show notes. If you like this episode, be sure to leave us a rating. We would really appreciate it. You can follow us on Insta at Jiggle and Juice or visit our website, jiggleandjuicecollective.com, where you can listen to our past discussions, check out our free support documents that aim to advise you on things we'd wish we'd been taught in art school, or explore our Artist Spotlight, a database showcasing artists around the world to help artist blocks subside. 
If you'd like to support us, you can find the link to our Patreon in the episode description, as well as in the footer of our website. By subscribing to our Patreon, you would be helping us continue to create free and accessible support docs for recent grads and emerging artists. Gain access to our new Patreon members newsletter, and you can receive priority professional development help from us. Thank you so much for your support and encouragement, and we'll see you in the next one.